0: Herschel's in the building. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast X. Today, it's me. My name's Adam. Yep. Yeah. Joined as ever by Herschel. Hello. Yeah, what up? How was your week? A hey, Bob. Well, actually pretty good. Did you do anything productive? I'm pretty sure I have, but
1: right now I just can't think about whatever productivity that I did have.
0: Did you hug your children? Oh, yeah, of
1: course. I do that probably like every hour on the hour.
0: Did you smooch your wife? Yeah. Let me take that out. I'm going to beep that. Yeah. Well, Herschel, today we're going to be going a little bit outside of the norm. Usually serial killing is a white man's game. Mm. But today... This is true. We're going go to go to the American South, specifically on the East Coast. East we're going to go to North Carolina. Yes, do this. In Charlotte, between 92 and 94, mm. nine black women were raped and strangled to death, <laughs> with the murders increasing in ferocity and rapidity. For almost two years, this killer fed his urges unchecked, leading to angry hysteria in the predominantly black community where the murders were occurring. Mm.
1: So all these murders occurred in the black community.
0: All black women.
1: This is definitely a little different. Let's do it.
0: It's different, yet shockingly familiar if you read the headlines of today. Mm-hmm. One could rightly think, just from that intro, that the police were lackluster and shitty at being police. All the time. The absolute truth of yeah. it, they were overworked and understaffed. At the time, in 92, there were seven full-time investigators on call. They've now quadrupled in size. A bit. Uh, they were not exactly a super task force set up to face a serial killer who seemed to appear out of thin air
1: Mm -hmm, because they probably weren't doing their jobs anyway so they probably weren't catching nothing in this area anyway Hmm. Probably yep, just given yep. loitering tickets. Yep. <sighs> well,
0: the script I have written here says, Don't get it twisted. These were hardworking, tough, and professional police. But since the modus operandi was so sloppy, they investigated the murders separately with the different investigator assigned to each one. Mm. They work in a rotation, so notes were not compared, and the cases went for a long time unlinked. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the city finally sought the help of the FBI that some of the stones started getting kicked over. Okay. Okay. Hell, even with them on board, it took a while to get a profile up, though. At
1: this point, did the FBI already set up their task force that they have for serial killers already?
0: Yes, but we, yeah, we're in the 90s here, so they've oh, okay, got yeah, okay, the okay. full My profiling bad. department okay. and all okay. this cool. of. Have, You know how that... Did you ever watch Mindhunter? Yeah. That's kind of it's kind of a... I like,
1: like Mindhunter.
0: That's like the beginnings of how they got all that mm-hmm. shit set up. Mm. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, This killer did not fit the usual profile of a serial killer. Mm. For one... He killed close friends and acquaintances, even co This was well outside of the norm. However, Henry Louis Wallace, the eventual suspect, did share one thread with all serial killers. Mm-hmm. He was able to hide his demon from outside eyes. Mm. The people he murdered trusted him implicitly until the moment they were killed. I thought that was always the case.
1: Really anything that happens, it's always somebody that you know.
0: Nah, you look at serial it. killers, it's uh, hitchhikers they pick okay. up. Strangers, Yeah, I'm just talking about
1: the whole thing, like if you're getting robbed or your house getting robbed, usually it's probably somebody that you know sure. is
0: doing it. Sure, B and E yeah a and e absolutely but serial murder is a very specific thing
1: you love those b&es mm-hmm.
0: almost as much as i love airbnbs Ooh, this or, episode brought to you by airbnb i or, wish or BBWs. sponsor me please this episode definitely <laughs> brought to you by bbws and bbcs and just get them all
1: Might as well
0: yeah the first of Henry's nine victims wasn't even immediately labeled a murder. and wouldn't be for several months. No corpse was found, and as such, victim one was filed a missing person. Mm. On June 19th, 1992, mm-hmm. the manager at Bojangles Restaurant contacted Kathy Love to tell her sister that Caroline hadn't been to work in a few days, and to please go check on her.
1: And I love the 90s too, by the way.
0: I just wanted to just put that out there. Oh yeah, so 90s. this is, this is like gonna be great. It's going to be gravy. Yeah. You can definitely drop in some 90s references. Anytime you want. I will. Caroline's sister Kathy took this seriously from the get-go and rushed over to Caroline's apartment. There was no sign of her or evidence of foul play, so Kathy left a note with her and her boss's concerns. Kathy contacted Caroline's roommate, Sadie, to ask if she knew where her sister was. Mm. Sadie expressed that she, too, was starting to worry. It wasn't like Caroline to disappear for more than 48 hours mm-hmm. without calling or leaving a note or something.
1: you know, they're some gossip girls, so you already
0: know. Oh, this is, yeah. This
1: is weird because she, this bitch know I had to call her about some shit that this dude did. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. it's Oh, it's going to get even crazier, dude. Let's do it. Together, Kathy and Sadie brought their suspicions to the police. Detective Anthony Rice questioned the Bojangles' manager and found out that the last time he'd seen her was when she left for work on the evening of the 15th, which was four days ago. She had asked to trade a $10 bill for a roll of quarters so she could do some laundry when she got home. Her cousin, Bob Ross, who drove her back to her place after work, said he saw her go into the foyer and she seemed neither sidetracked or nervous. Upon further search of Caroline's apartment, the cops found appearances of a scuffle. The furniture seemed to be slightly moved, as if shoved aside during a fight. The sheets were removed from Caroline's bed and Mm. weren't in the laundry hamper, which was full investigator rice surmised that carolyn had never made it to the laundry room as planned and the roll of quarters she'd purchased from her boss was nowhere in the apartment mm, i wonder where them fucking roll of quarters were let's find out you've activated my trap not really though no i didn't but let's find out he took them. today's episode <laughs> of all Podcast. i'll skip ahead a few pages and just tell you he definitely took them.
1: i mean <laughs> he needed to do some goddamn laundry too like after this rape and mm. murder, I'm.
0: De- You'll see why his why his moiters were and I don't even know if this motivated. is going to be
1: a rape, but I definitely know it's going to be a murder. Yeah, it's but a ra- it's a rape murder.
0: They're all rapes. Rape murders. Unfortunately, they are all rapes.
1: M- rape murder kill like the demolition man.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was Demolition Man? Rape, Murder, Kill.
1: Maybe they didn't say the rape part, but they were saying Murder, Death
0: Kill. There you go. Yes, okay. Rape, Murder, Kill. Yeah, but that's all the same shit in A book. That's before Disney edited it out.
1: Mm, Mm Mmm. That was I didn't even know that was a Disney movie.
0: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I'm fucking with you. All right. It's a throwback.
1: I'm like, I'm like yo, because you just got on me about the Jamaican bobsled team.
0: That's. I'm <laughs> going to say I need a little Stan Lee to drop yeah. in from the corner and say, oh, Webheads God will remember Stan Between the Bubbles X when Adam roasted Herschel for yeah. Jamaica bobsled team.
1: <laughs> no rotters, no rape, no cues. You say it in the middle. Pride. Power. Rape. Kill.
0: Charlotte police would continue to search for Carolyn Love, but every lead was a dead end. Mm. She remained in the missing persons file for nearly two years before her body was discovered. Mm. Eight months later, on February 19th, 1993, a Mrs. Sylvia Sumter came home from work, prepared to make dinner for herself and her teenage daughter, Shawna Hawk. Mm. Make that dinner, man. And I hope it ain't the Hungry Man shit. Mm. Mm. Sylvia wondered where Shauna was. She should have been home for several hours already after attending her morning classes at Piedmont Central Community College. Mm. Shauna's purse and coat were still in the dining room. It was winter, and she'd not have gone anywhere without it. Sylvia called her daughter's boyfriend, Daryl Kirkpatrick, and learned that he hadn't seen Shauna mama sylvia called her daughter's boyfriend quarterback daryl kirkpatrick (laughs) and learned that he hadn't seen shauna all day she called the taco bell where shauna worked part-time to see if shauna had gone to pick up an emergency shift but the clerk said he hadn't seen her and she was not on the schedule
1: he was probably pissed
0: too oh hell yeah
1: and will you see that bitch tell her she fired
0: Kirkpatrick came over after receiving another distressed phone call from Sylvia to attempt to calm the panicking mother down. Mm. He started rummaging through the house for any clue as to where Shauna could have gone. In the basement, he noticed the carpeting was soaked leading out of the bathroom and the curtain was not tucked in place. Mm. Through the shower curtain, it looked as if someone was crouching behind the tub wall. He yanked the curtain back and screamed. Shauna was dead, naked oh. in a tub full of water, head sunken below the surface and eyes staring up at the ceiling, but seeing nothing.
1: Damn, motherfuckers came in the crib.
0: <sighs> Shauna Hawk was pronounced dead at the hospital. Her skull had several lacerations and bruises from a dull and heavy object, but that object did not kill her. The ME performing the autopsy noticed hemorrhaging of the lining of the eyes, the Damn. face, the lips, and across the voice box, which were all signs of ligature strangulation. Damn which is a subject we talked about last week, it does not mean autoerotic asphyxiation, but instead you were killed with a <laughs> hey. a tool. You were yeah. killed with a weapon.
1: Mm-hmm. Damn, but in a tub. <clears throat> that's and they crazy, think, though.
0: Well, he, that's probably because... to wash away evidence, too. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. you
1: don't probably think she was killed in the tub, or do you think?
0: mm I think she was put there.
1: Oh, okay, okay, because mm-hmm. I was thinking, I'm like, dude, when you're in the house by yourself and you taking a shower, That's you good. always
0: hear something. Norman Bates. You'd be like,
1: what? what? Dude, you try to turn off the jet dead- deaf shower water four or five times. Yep. Uh, grab the towel and be like, yeah. I'm
0: done. Oh, you grab the Covered towel? Covered in soap, yeah. <laughs> just <twice.
1: laughs> I just walk out. I need to fight. First of all, you don't want your dick to be out when you fight. That's rule number one.
0: We just need samurai swords in the shower with us.
1: Ooh, I guess you should definitely have a, a shower pistol or something like that. Ah,
0: problem with that moisture. What happens if it gets all over your cartridges? There's got to be something
1: for that, though. we talking about shower pistols, there's got to be a, a holster and something that waterproof. waterproof something.
0: Like a waterproof iPad case, but for a gun.
1: It's better to have it than a
0: Agreed. Yeah, I mean, you could always like vacuum seal it and then just break it open Ooh. if you need it.
1: That's actually a good idea. So yeah. everybody out there,
0: that's what we doing. Vacuum seal a loaded gun. Yep. <laughs> put it in your shower. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't worry about it. No, you will be better safety, safe than sorry.
1: Safety off.
0: Sa- always safety yeah. off.
1: Okay. Vacuum seal safety
0: up. The vacuum seal will do the job of the safety anyway. Nobody's pulling that trigger through that plastic.
1: Okay. Well, unless the vacuum seal. And this has
0: through. been uh, bad advice with Herschel and
1: Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it ain't like it's electric.
0: <laughs> no, it's not electric. The hospital defined Shauna's death as a homicide, so police did their duty. Co-workers, friends, classmates, everyone they could think of was interviewed. Police failed to find motive, opportunity, nor means for any of them. Those are the three you're mm. looking for when trying to solve a crime. So
1: they think it's just
0: random. That's what they're looking like. Yeah, this is where this is where they're getting like just another random nah, slaying.
1: This they come on. This there's, there's got to be more to it.
0: Maybe there is. Maybe there is. You
1: can't think, because once the autopsy comes back, all right, just go. Because I don't want to. Go ahead. Unlocking trap cards. All right. Once the autopsy comes back, Mm. bro. I feel like you should know. It shouldn't. Whatever's going on ain't random. Like, who kills like this? Well,
0: she is the first one found. Caroline is still still a missing person. Yeah.
1: This is the '90s. Murders has been happening.
0: Murders has been happening. You know what I mean. Yeah. And
1: when I say that, I mean just something like this has got to be different.
0: Yeah, this is this should peak interest in yeah. investigators uh, automatically. Mm-hmm. Okay, I agree. That's that's a good cogent point. Audrey Spain, a 24 year old dependable employee, failed to show up two nights in a row, June 23rd and 24th, 1993, at Taco Bell. Her mm-hmm. manager knew something bell? was up. He called her twice, but only got through to an answering machine. He tried her sister next, but just the same, only an answering machine. Striking out twice, he decided to go do a welfare check himself and stop by Spain's apartment building to check things out for himself before calling police. Mm. Her car was in its designated spot, mm-hmm. so he entered the building and knocked on the door belonging to her, at least according to the mailbox. No one answered despite several hard knocks that made other residents in the building stick their heads out to damn. see what all the racket he was. He to
1: damn kick down bang, 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 bang. That's what he was trying to do, really kick down the door mm-hmm. without kicking down the door.
0: In the morning, still not able to get a hold of Spain or her sister, he called the building maintenance man at her apartment. When he entered, his eyes fell on the open bedroom doorway and what looked like a naked woman scrawled out across the bed. Damn. Edging closer to it, he knew it was Audrey Spain. I he bet he did. The girl who always smiled so warmly whenever the two passed in the halls. Mm. Around her neck were articles of clothing, a t-shirt, and a bra tied together and knotted at the Adam's apple to cut off the air. Mm. Medical examiners confirmed that she was raped and strangled. Mm. Audrey Spain and Shauna Hawk, two nearly identical strangulations and months apart. Unfortunately, no witnesses had come forward to report suspicious characters, right. and no one was able to yet piece together the most important clue. Each of these victims knew one man in particular. As of now, the detectives hadn't noticed the serial killer, and the usually hawk eyed reporters weren't seeing it either.
1: (laughs) I guess they think it's a black community. They don't want to, they ain't really giving a fuck.
0: That is, uh, you know what? You hold that truth to be self-evident, that all men are not created equal in this country.
1: Only thing I would say to debunk that, that all the shit that we talked about before was definitely, like, 80s, and it wasn't as, as advanced. In America, we advance pretty fast.
0: Pretty quick, we're the first world. We're on the bleeding edge. I don't know. You don't know.
1: You could debunk it, I guess, by saying you know they just you know like all the other cops they just were just dumb. Yes. Like you know what I'm saying. You you see all a bunch of heard about a bunch of shit. There's one guy
0: we'll talk about in particular. Uh His name's McFadden, Gary McFadden, and this guy is a beast. He is a fantastic cop, but. When they're only one in a hundred, that's not good. That's not good. Can you imagine if at your job only one in a hundred of you was good at something?
1: That means if we had a thousand cases.
0: A hundred would get solved. Yeah.
1: (laughs) sad, bro. Go ahead, though. No,
0: ten would get solved.
1: Which is still sad, though.
0: That's even sadder.
1: He said, no, (laughs) ten. And that's not even a guarantee. That's not a guarantee. Because you could be a good cop and still the shit won't get solved.
0: If it's a real whodunit. Yeah. (sighs) Crazy. Victim number four, Valencia Jumper, would see a massive shift in Henry Louis Wallace's M.O. Mm -hmm. Valencia was a 19-year-old college student who'd recently transferred in from South Carolina. She worked at a grocery store and a clothing shop to help pay her tuition. Mm. In August 1993, the same man who had already killed three ended her life. But it was so different from the others that even the most seasoned detective wouldn't have spotted the link. On August 9th, Valencia's boyfriend, Zach, smelled something burning as he approached Jumper's apartment. Mm. He then saw black smoke coming from under the door. He tried the knob found it locked, and ran to another apartment to call the fire. Uh A truck was there in no time to axe open the door. Inside, the blaze had spread throughout the entire unit. It began when a pan had been left over a gas burner. The flames had reached all the way to the bedroom, where it appeared Jumper had either passed out or fallen asleep on her bed. Her body was severely burned. The next day, the coroner examined the charred remains to conclude the girl had died of thermal burns. <laughs> so In fact, I think
1: he was just trying to cover his tracks with the.
0: Dope? Y- yes. In fact, it wouldn't be until Wallace was apprehended and confessing to the murders that Valencia Jumper's remains would be re-autopsy. <sighs> After the later examination, the coroner fixed his earlier diagnosis, changing her cause of death to strangulation.
1: Man, first of all, would you? I feel like. As a coroner, you miss—I don't—I I don't know if you could say misdiagnose because this person's not alive really. I would say misdiagnose. Okay, is fair. cool, cool. So if they misdiagnose this dead person, that's bad on them. Yes. And, and so that's that is that it? Did we hear about the coroner in this?
0: No, he doesn't go to trial or anything. No.
1: Okay, so that's about it. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool.
0: That's the cor- that's where the coroner that's where he exits our story.
1: And I, I was just wanted to put that out there. I like that's
0: it. it. I like it, sloppy ass coroner. Yeah,
1: well, you know why they were sloppy, and I don't want to keep going into the same mm-hmm. thing or why they were sloppy. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. coroner, the coroners are not sloppy though. That's what I'm saying. Like they know cause of death.
0: Are you saying coroners don't and cut corners?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they're not supposed to. I've never heard of one. No, because that's their job. That's. I feel like that's what they get their nut off of. But
0: yeah. no, he didn't die that. That's like he, uh the the tall creepy guy from the wire. Mm-hmm, Same yeah, thing. He, yep, he got yep. off on doing it. He that
1: loved shit. it. Yeah. And that's why McNulty loved him. Mm-hmm. Because he knew he he could get a real that, guy, that
0: guy creeped me out though a little bit. Yes. Yeah, he true. looks creepy. Yeah, he does. The fifth victim, Michelle Stinson, met her death on September fifteenth, mm-hmm. five weeks after the previous kill. Although closer to victims one through three because of the strangulation, Michelle's death added another major variation from the murdered females. Mm-hmm. She was also stabbed. The murder weapon, which was just an ordinary kitchen knife, had been shoved through her back. Her body was found in the kitchen by her two young sons, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Neither of them had seen or heard the killer. When the three-year-old ran to a neighbor to tell him that his mom was sleeping on the floor, the neighbor hurried over to find Stinson lying cold in a pool of blood. Her telephone cord had been ripped from the wall. Man... Autopsy revealed the blade penetrated the upper left side of her back below the shoulder blades and caused mortal wounds to the heart and lungs. Mm. Stinson had been raped and then strangled with a ligature. This time, the strangling occurred after death from the knife wounds or at least while she lay dying and comatose. So it was like a finish the job type thing. Mm. The knife already did the job. She was going to die, but he still heard rattling, so he he choked her anyway. Just in case. Mm
1: -hmm. I don't make it home tonight. I'm making love to you for the last time, baby. My fault. That was a
0: 90s song. I like it. Keep them coming. Police were drawing big-time blanks, although the killings were starting to appear as possibly the work of just one man who loved strangling and raping women. All these killings took place within a five-mile radius of East Charlotte, but their differences Mm -hmm. made it impossible to pinpoint characteristic traits from the killer beyond ligature-strangling his victims. Mm -hmm. These were all black victims in a mostly black community— the citizens of which were starting to get pissed. They interpreted the department's lack of results as racial indifference. Ooh,
1: an electric trap card.
0: You certainly did, and you're absolutely, certainly looks like it. And it feels yeah, like it if do. these were little college, white college girls, this would have been solved f- 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 after maybe the first a, one.
1: a little faster, maybe, because it's saying cops
0: are, I don't know, let me stop. These are black people in a black city mm-hmm. getting killed by a black person. So, how much, that's like three strikes
1: mm-hmm.
0: of not giving a fuck.
1: Mm-hmm. Just like any other time it was a white women getting killed by a, a white man.
0: Easy. They're mm-hmm. putting it, they have the National Guards goddamn mobilized mm-hmm. to take care of him. Shoot on sight. The local paper didn't help much either. The first two murders weren't even reported on. This put the entire region under fire for their perceived lackadaisical attitude by local politicians and law enforcers who ignored problems among Charlotte's 31% black population. Mm. East Charlotte is a busy urban area full of hardworking people, mostly black but with a healthy mix of other races as well. The one thing they all shared in common was they were all middle to lower class. Mm-hmm. Remember, race is a bugbear invented by the rich to drive a wedge between mm-hmm. working class people so they can continue to hoard all of the world's wealth. Thanks. It's the kind of neighborhood where you can walk around freely. Kids walk to school, women window shop, and certainly a neighborhood where the populace doesn't like to think there's a strangler on the loose preying on their wives and children. Mm. Many in the neighborhood couldn't understand why investigators couldn't match fingerprints found at the scenes against prints on file, and they couldn't understand how this obviously male strangler kept slipping through dragnets time after time after time. At an emergency press conference, the department committed to results and assured the people that this case was not going cold until it gets solved. Mm. Homicide senior detective Sergeant Gary McFadden was appointed lead detective by the deputy ops and suddenly found himself in the thick of it. He hadn't originally caught this case, mind you, but his spotless record and wonderful clearance rate put him in a tough and thankless position of being the best guy for the job. Now he was faced with being the spokesman and mediator between the police and the public. Hey, and it was went, his job to explain why the murderer hadn't yet been caught.
1: At least they went and got some firepower, though, at least. To make it didn't seem like, oh, no, we're not trying, this not a racial thing.
0: You ready for my second trap card? Which, Go. Which almost throws his role into this into an even more tragic, unwinnable situation for right. him? Right. Detective Sergeant McFadden was a black man, but he didn't find an understanding ear among the community. They hated him. <laughs> yeah, and in gone. a way, McFadden felt like a scapegoat. But the good sergeant, being a professional, did his duty. He spoke with the affected families personally and expressed sympathy and determination to bring their loved one's murder to justice. Mm-hmm. He had a calming air about him. He is now being put up as the mascot. And like, look, we have a black sergeant that's leading up this in- this investigation. This should make you happy. Yeah, but... You know what? He was, uh, his clearest
1: rate was pretty high, so.
0: He's a, I don't, he's a stellar fucking cop. I don't see it like that. Okay, good. I, I good. see it
1: as, I mean, maybe it was, yeah, maybe, oh, this is a good thing. We got a black cop that, you know, has a high clearest weight that he know he's going to solve this case. So the ble- But
0: it's, dude, if he's solving cases, bro, that's who you fucking want. Good. All right. We got the bunk on it. Yeah. Throughout the fall and Christmas seasons of 93, things were quiet. After Stinson's murder in mid-September, the remainder of the year passed without incident. Because of the increased pressure, police Mm. beefed up their patrols in the community and were starting to think the increased police presence was what was scaring off the killer or killers. Although it was incident-free, McFadden felt only dread and apprehension, knowing this was just a break. His fear proved to be warranted. On Sunday, February 20th, 1994, Vanessa Mack's mother Barbara came to pick up her grandchild, Mm. as she did every Sunday so Vanessa could go work her shift at the Carolina Medical Center. Barb showed up a little earlier than the appointed 6 a.m. and was surprised to find the door ajar. She assumed Vanessa and the baby were just inside. She called out, expecting to hear the familiar, Come on in, Ma! But no answer. Immediately upon entering the home, something was off. Vanessa's four-month-old child was sleeping on the couch, still in her romper from the day before. Mm. But Vanessa was nowhere to be seen. She checked the kitchen, bathroom, then bedroom, but nothing. Was that gray bundle on the bed actually just a blanket? Nope. It was her daughter Vanessa, partially dressed in a weird position across the mattress. Something was wrapped around her throat. A pillowcase. Her skin had become ice cold. Scooping up her granddaughter from the couch, Barbara raced into the apartment hallway and pounded on a neighbor's door to use the telephone.
1: Man, this shit is crazy,
0: bro. Poor Barbara.
1: But he, he he's definitely preying on a certain few, you know, kids not really super alert going into their cribs. And they probably, they probably missing a couple things too. Maybe not locking
0: doors or... Oh, you, you, you guess what, Herschel? We're going to explain in detail. Once he gets caught, he goes into every single crime. Okay, cool. So we'll know the ins and outs from his mm-hmm. perspective.
1: I'm pretty sure they was making it easy for him. He all knew right. them all.
0: They trusted him.
1: Can't trust anybody, man. Perfect. You can't trust me. You can't trust us.
0: Don't trust us. do trust us. At six foot tall, 200 pounds, and a super nice face, the 29-year-old Henry Lewis Wallace was a very affable fellow. He does have a nice face, by the way.
1: Okay, cool.
0: He was always open to talk, always quick with a snappy comeback, and was the first to help anyone who asked him for it. hmm The night after Vanessa Mack's murder, Henry sat in front of his TV to watch the news with his supper. When the ending credits rolled, Henry cracked a huge smile. There wasn't even a single mention of the latest strangling mm-hmm. or of the manhunt that the police claimed was in full effect. hmm he decided to stay indoors that night, for the exact same reasoning as after all the other murders, just in case somebody had seen his face and the police were walking around with a composite drawing. hmm In the second week of March 94, the investigation finally started to crack. There would be three murders in three days between March 9th and 11th, ending with the positive ID and arrest of the Charlotte Strangler or the Taco Bell Strangler. <laughs> That's what he, Those were his two nicknames. Yeah.
1: Taco fucking Bill Strangler. Beautiful. Los Doritos Tacos. Mm.
0: Los Doritos Tacos Supremo. Ooh, with the Supreme. You gotta have the sour cream on there. Yeah, I don't you know gotcha. why, it just no, makes it better. It's good. Henry Louis Wallace went berserk and became careless. All the things he'd done to cover his trail before, spacing out murders, wiping fingerprints, even bathing his victims, were left by the wayside for a fireworks finale killing spree. Mm-hmm. The FBI absolutely shit the bed in this one, failing to classify these strangulations as those of a serial killer. Right. The feds tried shifting the blame off themselves by saying, The killer is a black man who knew his victims. Most serial killers are white men who mm. kill strangers. Mm. Thank goodness he knew his victims. It would be the only threat investigators would finally pull to unravel this sweater. Sergeant McFadden was doing his best to tie together loose ends on his side. Mm. His squad interrogated possible suspects, specifically those with violent pasts who could move easily among the black community. Detectives also reopened contact with all families and friends of the victims. Right. Nothing in this case was beyond possibility, and the killer had made that very clear to McFadden.
1: Right. I guess they probably, if they did a little bit of investigation before, they probably could have saved a couple to a few women.
0: Just find out who all their friends are. Yeah. All the family and friends' friends, too. Usually. See if anybody matches up.
1: Yeah. thought, And that's just the basics.
0: That's why serial killers don't get caught because they kill. they it's, it's random. random. They don't know. They yeah. don't know them. But I this guess just by seems them saying like it's a serial easy...
1: killer. They just went by
0: the book. Yeah, once they classified it as a serial killer, but then they they didn't until three or four of them were dead already. Yeah, so did. I don't. So know. So if you did right, why
1: didn't you do the canvassing and the, and all that other shit? Yeah, come on. <laughs>
0: Betty Boakum didn't report to work at Bojangles' restaurant where she served as assistant manager. Same Bojangles that Caroline Love got disappeared from. If they'd have did a little bit of...
1: Oh my god. This was the same... Bojangles.
0: The same manager, Jeffrey Ellis, was cautious, calling her at home. No answer. Throughout the shift, he figured Betty would come in with a reasonable excuse of why she's late and everything would be fine, but she never showed. The next day, she also didn't show, so Ellis went directly to police. Boakum was 100% reliable, and-
1: I guess they knew, man. Like, if she ain't sure enough for work, bro.
0: No call, no shows. Yeah, especially they, two in a row yeah, were not her.
1: Yeah. Like, we know in the, in the community, bro, mm-hmm. that's, not, that's not normal. Motherfucker, especially, always talking about, man, I need some bread, bro. I'm exactly. gonna come here. I need to take up
0: this shift, this shift. Anybody want a day off, I'll take your yeah, shift. Yeah,
1: for real. Now, all of a sudden, you- Damn, two no call, no shows? Mm-hmm. That's unlike-
0: um, Mm-hmm. Unless she hit a good scratcher.
1: I mean, but even still, man. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna tell. You're somebody. gonna be like, yo, I ain't coming in.
0: <laughs> Officer Norwood responded to the call and went to her apartment. He had the maintenance man open the door, and sure enough, Betty Bokum was fully clothed and face down on her mattress, choked to death by a towel twisted into a noose around her neck. Mm. She had been dead for at least twenty four hours. Okay, fully clothed. Fully clothed.
1: He dre- redressed her. Probably.
0: For the first time in his sordid career, the killer left something for investigators to go on. His past victims' residences showed only minor signs of possible scuffle. Mm-hmm. Betty Bokum's apartment had been noticeably pillaged. There was a bare entertainment center with wires hanging and leading to nowhere, leading cops to believe the TV and VCR were missing. Bokum's car, an aquamarine-colored Nissan Pulsar, was missing from the parking lot as well the robbery. Squads were alerted to look for the Pulsar on Charlotte streets. Concurrently, investigators checked all the local pawn shops to see Mm. if anyone tried to flip a TV and VCR for cash. Simultaneously, a patrol car was called to the apartment of Brandy Henderson, whose boyfriend had just found her dead. Police didn't have to go far to respond. Brandy was found in the same apartment complex as Betty. Brandy's apartment was pure chaos. The worst crime scene Henry would leave on his spree. The boyfriend who called the police was named Verness Lamar Woods. He lived with Brandy and their baby. He had just walked in from his night shift job when he noticed the apartment ravaged, his girlfriend dead in bed with towels used as a noose, and their 10-month-old baby in his room barely alive, also with a ligature around his neck. Damn, he choked the baby? Yep. Probably baby stick is crying too much. A court summary of the incident reads... Woods immediately ran to the 10-month-old and removed a pair of shorts, which were tied tightly around the neck. Mm. When Woods found Henderson strangled and stiff, he administered CPR to the dead girl pursuant to instructions from 911. When officers arrived, it was clear it was too late for that. Mm. The baby was rushed to the Carolina Medical Center, where at first the doctors feared the asphyxiation he suffered caused permanent brain damage. The tough child, however, came out of his coma, and tests indicated that he would recover without permanent injury.
1: Mm, 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 about that, but yeah.
0: Doctor Thomas Brewer, however, said the child had endured great physical and mental distress because of the ligature, and there would be no way to determine the effects until later okay, in life. There you go. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think so. You're not gonna walk away from that a, yeah. f- a prime healthy kid.
1: Yeah. Oxygen stopping to go into the brain for a person that needs the oxygen to go into the brain to develop.
0: Not to mention just the the fear of of having like not being able to breathe. Somebody yeah. tying something around your neck to to kill you as a baby.
1: You think they remember that at ten months?
0: I don't know. I have no idea.
1: But definitely might be a little uh, phobia, probably drowning or not being able to breathe. Probably certainly it, it develop.
0: I just get worried about a Dexter-type situation. Lead detective Gary McFadden was fucking pissed. Mm. He drew his squad together for a meeting the next morning to compare notes and bang any theories they could against the wall looking for a solution. Hell yeah. The comparison proved enlightening. All reports indicated that while the girls didn't seem to know each other, although some had worked at the same place or gone to the same schools, Mm -hmm. when asked to list names of known associates of the victims, one always showed up. Henry Lewis Wallace. Mm. Valencia Jumper was a good friend of Wallace's sister. Mm -hmm. Michelle Stinson would often eat at Taco Bell and chat (laughs) with Wallace. (laughs) Vanessa Mack was the sister of Wallace's ex-girlfriend. Betty Boakum was a friend of Wallace's current girlfriend, Mm -hmm. Sadie McKnight. Brandy Henderson was the girlfriend of one of Wallace's criminal pals, Vernus Lamar Woods, Mm -hmm. who had found Brandy. Reaching all the way back to the missing person case of Caroline Love, detectives now realized that Love had also known Wallace well. She had been his girlfriend Sadie McKnight's roommate. The puzzle pieces slid perfectly into place. Pulling up the rap sheet of the sudden suspect... Mm. Sergeant McFadden found an outstanding warrant already out for Henry Lewis Wallace for having failed to appear in court on a larceny charge. Mm. When police approached Sadie McKnight, she was taken aback, very surprised that her boyfriend Henry was suspected as being the Charlotte Strangler. But the more she thought about it, the more the pieces started sliding in place <laughs> for her this too. This motherfucker is crazy. All along, Henry had been giving her bracelets, rings, watches, and necklaces, some of which looked very familiar. Hindsight mm-hmm. VCRs, is twenty-twenty. TVs, <laughs> cars. Damn, my, my boo hooking me
1: up. Yeah, he killed it. He don't know what to do with it. these he's, he's smart, man. He's smart. Yeah, yeah, Valentine's Day coming out. Let me rape two of them mm. and see if I get some shit out of them. I wonder was the Taco Bell, to, just a hangout spot too.
0: He would work there on and off. Mm. He, he he worked, but he, he was never interested in working. He was just looking for his prey. And crack cocaine. We'll get mm, to it. Please do. Finally, the evidence McFadden dreamed about dropped in his lap. Betty Bocum's Nissan Pulsar was located, abandoned across town. Fingerprints found on the trunk lid matched Henry Wallace's file. Mm. Police staked out Wallace's residence on March 11th and the following day. Two officers tracked him to his friend's house when they got the call over the radio to take him. According to the report of arrest, the suspect was sober calm, and collected. He surrendered without a fight. A small brigade of plainclothes officers anxiously awaited the patrol unit to deliver Wallace to the law enforcement center. They had more than a few questions for him. (laughs) While they were all waiting to meet the alleged strangler, another body had been found in Charlotte. Beautiful Deborah Slaughter had been discovered that afternoon beaten, raped, stabbed, and choked with a white handkerchief shoved down her windpipe. Mm -hmm. She would be the final victim. And yes, she had prior history with Henry Lewis Wallace. Mm -hmm. The third. (laughs) (laughs) At the law enforcement center, Wallace was led to an interview room where several men already stood waiting around a long, bare metal table under harsh fluorescent lighting. Mm -hmm. They looked up when the uniforms ushered Wallace through the door, and came forward to greet him individually. Right. They also asked the suspect if he knew why they had hauled him in, and at first, he figured it was for the larceny warrant. Over the next several hours, these suited men would take turns interviewing Wallace until he finally confessed to killing all nine of the Charlotte women, Caroline Love, Shauna Hawk, mm-hmm. Audrey Spain, Valencia Jumper, Michelle Stinson, Vanessa Mack, Betty Bochum, Brandy Henderson, and less than two days before he was apprehended, Deborah Slaughter. R.I.P. He also admitted to a tenth victim, a prostitute whose name he'd never known and whose remains he'd dumped near Caroline Loves. They mm-hmm. would find this unnamed So name. he,
1: d- but th- he, the first time he did it was the right time. would I be mean, the right way to do it.
0: That prostitute. the yeah. fir- His very first kill, yeah. You know? uh-huh. After the initial interrogation, police believed they had enough to charge Wallace and Mirandized him. He was asked if it was okay to tape his confession. Absolutely, he said. Mm -hmm. I feel like a big burden has already been lifted. Uh In his confession tapes, Henry Wallace gave several hours of gross details. He reminisced about each murder and his thought process as Mm -hmm. he killed the women, remembering in detail their final words and movements before applying what he called the Boston Choke to them. He was a huge wrestling fan.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say.
0: He robbed most of his victims before killing them, but the actual motive for the murders wasn't money, but sex. He fulfilled fantasies of power and control. The thefts were important, of course. They funded his crack habit, but sex was the real motivator.
1: Uh But if he was giving all this shit to
0: him, who would he sell this shit to? He would sell some of it, but like jewelry, he would pawn it for cash. The TV, he sold for cash. Probably just somebody on the street. Exactly, not even a pawn shop, because he knew probably the pawn units would be...
1: He was probably giving away good deals, too. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, yeah, fiends, they'll sell anything for... For a for a little bag.
1: I hope he ain't getting none of the people he sold the shit involved in it. You gotta be stand up about that. Mm. If you're selling stolen property to somebody, bro, don't involve. This is stolen. I mean you ain't necessarily gotta say that. No, <laughs> I'm just saying, but if you police catch you up, you just be like, I don't know who I sold it to, mm. but I sold it. Is I did steal it though, but I don't don't reveal the people you still like Maurice Claret and shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's brutal. Investigators worked in teams and shifts, coming in and out of the interview room for hours at a time, clarifying points, asking questions. At one point, an investigator told Wallace that he didn't seem to be a very bad man by nature and asked if he thought he was a schizo. Henry replied, no, there's only one Henry, a bad Henry. (laughs) He would talk police through each of his murders one by one in what would be known as the confession phase. I'll give you the breakdown from each victim. Okay. Henry Wallace had a key to Caroline Love's apartment from his girlfriend, who was also Love's roommate, Sadie McKnight. Mm. When he knew his girlfriend wouldn't be home and Caroline would be alone, he entered the apartment and hid in the bathroom for her to come home from work. As soon as she walked in, he said he wanted to have sex with her. She refused, of course, and he put her in, in the Boston choke. He kept the hold on until she passed out, then moved her to the bed removed her clothes, and had sex with her, Mm. all the while applying the chokehold. During intercourse, she came to and started fighting, and he grabbed the curling iron from near the bed and wrapped the cord around her throat. After she died, he folded her up in bedsheets and placed the bundle in a large, orange-colored contractor trash bag and carried the package to his car. Mm. Returning to her apartment, he grabbed the roll of quarters she had purchased from her boss to do laundry. After dark, he drove the body to the city limits, past some houses under construction, and dumped the body on the side of the road where he thought it wouldn't be found. (laughs) as for shauna hawk wallace claimed he had no intention of killing her he just stopped by to talk she had just come home from school her mom wasn't home yet and the two gossiped with each other for about an hour Uh she started teasing him too hard about a fight he'd had with his girlfriend sadie and that really irked him he put the chokehold on her until she passed out and then filled the bathtub with water and put her in it before he left he stole a 50 from her purse and obviously raped her too
1: okay i wanted to come back like, I'm just going to kill you and put you in the bag. You got the 50 about to walk out of the door. Mm. Mm. no
0: on. No, no. One last thing. Yeah. Audrey Spain had just come back from vacation when Wallace reached out to her. He said he wanted to smoke a joint and hear about her trip. But he also had another reason. He was going to rob her. After they finished smoking, he throttled her and pinned her to the floor. He screamed at her, demanding to know how much money was in the apartment. He rounded up what was available, stripped Audrey, dragged her to the bedroom, and raped her. He administered the Boston choke until she went limp and then tied a nightgown and t-shirt together to strangle her. Upon leaving, he stole her Visa card and Exxon gas card, making several purchases with the latter. Mm. In Henry Wallace's own words... Valencia Jumper was like a little sister to me. I don't know why I would ever hurt her. Well, Wallace stopped by to see Jumper that night, telling her he had gotten into a fight with his girlfriend Sadie and he really needed a confidant. Jumper, of course, let her friend in. They talked for a few minutes and Wallace asked her to please call Sadie and let her know that he's here so she wouldn't worry about where he'd gone. When she turned from him to dial the phone, he put her in the chokehold. She begged him not to hurt her, allowing him to do anything he wanted, including giving him oral sex in order to save her life. Mm. While she was getting dressed afterwards, he made her look to the other side of the room and put a towel around her neck and choked the life out of her. Then he went into the kitchen, grabbed a bottle of 151 and poured it all over her body, went back to the kitchen, put a can of pork and beans on the stove, took the battery out of the smoke detector, turned it up high, went back in the bedroom, threw a match on the 151-covered corpse, and went home. Mm. Of course, before he torched her, he removed her expensive jewelry to give to Sadie and also pawn later.
1: Mm. This motherfucker is crazy as uh. shit. He overthinking some shit.
0: No, not overthinking, he thinking. He's like harboring so much hatred and anger. What do you think that's about? Moms. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Next up was Stinson, who he dropped in on unannounced at 11 p.m. the night of her murder. His only goal with Stinson was rape. Chatting for a bit, he asked for a glass of water. When she turned, he choked her and unbuttoned her blouse. Mm. She agreed to have sex in exchange for her life. Mm. After sex, he choked her unconscious, then went into the bathroom, got a towel, and finished the job properly. Mm. But even with the towel, she kept moaning and groaning, so he finished the job with four stab wounds from a kitchen knife, leaving it buried in her back. Vanessa Mack was the only of Henry's murders with a motive of money. His drug addiction was so bad at that point, he'd take anything any way he could get his hands on it, from crack to LSD to anything in between. Damn. He knew Mack had a good job and steady access to money in the bank with an ATM card. For this murder, he brought his own weapon with him, a pillowcase folded in his jacket. When he arrived, she went and got him a soda from the fridge, She was celebrating because she'd just gotten her income tax return. While in the kitchen, Henry quickly applied the pillowcase and demanded all her cash as well as her card and pin. Damn. After she gave it up, he insisted on having sex with her. She was too afraid to object. When they were through, she mentioned she needed to put her baby to bed as the child had been sleeping on the sofa. He pretended to release her from his forced cuddle, but as she rose off the mattress, he reached around her with the pillowcase and ended her life. Later that evening, when he used her ATM card, it didn't work. She gave him a fake pin. (sighs) Betty Bochum was a supervisor at Bojangles, so Henry knew she would have the burglar alarm code and keys to the safe. He needed cash. He stopped by her apartment under the pretense of asking to use her phone. She opened the door and let him in. He fucked around for a few minutes at the phone, pretending to look up a number in the book. When she finally turned her back, he put her in the hole. He ordered her to get nude, She fought back, leaving bite marks and scratches on his shoulder. Eventually, his strength would win out, and he angrily raped her. Then, made her get up and put her clothes on. He placed a towel around her neck before asking where her money was. She grabbed it. And, uh, he yanked a gold chain from around her neck before strangling her.
1: This motherfucker.
0: He didn't feel he had enough value in his thefts that evening, which is what prompted him to steal her TV and VCR from the entertainment center. Mm -hmm. And since he didn't have a car to transport them in, he obviously took her Pulsar. Fearing the police were catching on, mm-hmm. Henry abandoned the car hours later, wiping it clean of fingerprints, all except the trunk lid,
1: mm-hmm. where you put the tr- where you put the VCR and the TV. <laughs>
0: After leaving Betty's place, he walked down the hall to Brandy Henderson's apartment, where he knew she would be home alone. One of his best friends was her boyfriend and father of the couple's baby. His name was Vernis Lamar Woods, and he was at work. Knocking at the door, he just told Brandy that he wanted to drop something off for Lamar. Thinking nothing of it, Brandy let him in. Once inside, he bear-hugged her and demanded money. The only thing she had on her was $15 in cash and a Pringles can full of loose change.
1: hmm he wanted that crackhead.
0: Mm-hmm. Taking that... He did he take he w- loose change in the car, man. Oh, they did, out of my car. Parked outside on the sidewalk. Or on the street. Taking her Pringles can and her cash, he led her to the bed where he forced her to perform oral. This is a quote from Henry here. Mm -hmm. The more she pleaded, the more aroused I became. Mm -hmm. After we had sex, she got on her knees and started praying because she was scared. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. Come here and give me a hug. And she hugged me, but I choked her with a towel until she was red in the face and eventually died. Wallace had intended to steal Brandy's TV as well, since he still had Betty's Pulsar. But when Brandy's baby started crying, Wallace panicked. Mm -hmm. Lifting the 10-month-old from its crib, Henry tried cooing it to sleep and using a pacifier, but nothing worked. Eventually, he took a towel and wrapped it around the baby's neck. According to him, not tight enough to kill it, but just enough to make it difficult to breathe. The baby's crying sputtered, which gave Wallace the time he needed to slip out the door unnoticed. Last one here, Deborah Slaughter. Walking up to Deborah's at her apartment, He asked if she wanted to go halves on a bag of cocaine with him. Mm. She didn't have the cash to blow on it at that moment. Disappointed, he beat her mercilessly and wrapped a towel around her throat before raping her. (laughs) After intercourse, while she was retrieving $60 cash for him, Deborah started raging. She screamed that all of her suspicions were true. She knew it was him doing this to all these women. He, of course, denied it, but that made her yell louder. He moved to hit her in order to be quiet, and she broke free from his grasp, screaming for police and reaching for a knife she had hidden in her purse. Yeah. He caught her arm, grabbed the knife, and stabbed her 20 times. Afterwards, he left to buy some crack, then came back to her apartment to smoke it.
1: I'm pretty sure the police is dead at that point. No, <laughs> I, that's right. Because they had to get him at his homie crib. But I guess nobody heard screaming and nothing. Pretty sure they did. They just didn't give a fuck. Just
0: another domestic... Yeah, another fucking domestic. Just another Saturday night fights. Back when we lived in the trailer park, uh-huh. my parents would set up folding chairs on Friday nights because the uh, neighbors across the street would have screaming matches. Damn. It was like it, it, you could set your watches to it. They would just yell at each other every every single Friday night. That's not cool. Probably Did payday. It, probably yeah. the dude got liquored up. You yeah, know? of course. Mm-hmm.
1: The fluid to do it to you.
0: I don't think they ever got physical or else my parents definitely would have called the cops. That's good. Yeah. There's ways to settle arguments with your partner and then there's ways not to.
1: Mm-hmm, because everybody's going to have an argument.
0: Over the next couple of weeks, detectives followed up on Wallace's claims. Names, dates, and times. Damn. They accompanied him to the spot where Caroline Love had been left. Right. From her remains, it was clear that Love had been strangled. On April 4th, 1994, Wallace was officially indicted with nine counts of murder, along with a litany of other charges, Mm -hmm. numerous counts of first and second degree rape, first and second degree sexual assault, various counts of assault with a deadly weapon, assault on a child under the age of 12, and several counts of robbery with a dangerous weapon. Hell yeah, bro. This was an important opportunity for investigators having a serial killer that didn't fit the norm. As such, a social profile was done on Henry Lewis Wallace in preparation for his trial. Mm-hmm. Of course, like every single other one, his issues came from his terrible upbringing. Mm. His mother was an unrepentant asshole who hated life for as long as anyone had known her. Her resentment for living didn't improve when she got knocked up twice. First, to daughter Yvonne, and second, to son Henry, by a married high school teacher who went back to his wife. <laughs> Wallace was born in Barnwell, South Carolina, November 4th, 1965, dirt poor. The psychologist doing the profile summarized that Wallace's mother sought to control her son through violence, emotional abuse, and other inappropriate means. Aside from an emotional support system, the family also lacked electricity and running water. The Wallace family drank from a pump, and their bathroom was an outdoor shed with a set of chamber pots. This is 1965.
1: Yeah, and this is... Down uh, in North Carolina, South Carolina, so South
0: Carolina, potty training was hell for Henry. If he mm. messed himself, he was berated in front of anyone who would listen. This chastisement forced Henry to mess himself and then hide his dirty underwear. Mm-hmm. Henry's mother was the sole provider of the household and would work long days to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Her discipline was severe. She forced the kids to pick their switches almost every day, and if she was too tired, she would make them whip each other for her. Dang. Henry wanted to be like the other boys in school. These kids had dads who taught them how to throw curveballs and fly kites, but Mm -hmm. Henry's dad was missing. Only one time did he ever ask his mom about his natural dad, and she told him to shut the fuck up. Damn. In sixth grade, his father called out of the blue and introduced himself and told him he'd always wanted to meet him. He promised to stop by during the week. Every morning, Henry woke up at the crack of dawn and skipped school, watching the road perking up at every car that turned the corner. Of course, his dad never appeared. Mm -hmm. Upon graduation from high school in 1983, he attended South Carolina State College, but only for a semester. Next, he tried trade school, but failed out at that as well. (sighs) Not because of his brains, but because of his work ethic. He expended most of his energy on his evening job as a DJ, on a local radio station, Mm -hmm. adopting a Wolfman Jack persona. You know what that is, like, Next up is uh, ZZ Top. And he called himself the Night Rider. Listeners enjoyed his dark sense of humor, his easygoing manner, and females mm. loved his voice. Mm-hmm. He may have been able to make a run at that as a career if he wasn't fired shortly after starting, getting caught in the act of stealing CDs from the station. Not cut out for college, and with his life in shambles, he did the only thing you can do. Join the military. He signed on with the Navy Reserve for eight years. The Navy, a seaman. That's Keep right. are talking about him. Always. Everyone we know is seaman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody we know is seaman. Everyone we fucking know is seaman. Both of our in-studio des- guests were, we're seamen. Sam it. Hell and Kylie. Yeah, Kylie. While a sailor, Wallace married Moretta Brabham a girl he had dated on and off since they were sophomores in high school. Mm -hmm. In between high school and now, however, Moretta had had a baby with another man. Mm. And Wallace said, If we're gonna be together, I'm gonna be that beep stepson forever. Was he? Guess what? Mm -hmm. Wallace opened his arms to the family, even adopting Moretta's child. Unfortunately for Henry, and fortunately for everyone else, the marriage ultimately was a disappointment.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Henry wanted his own kid to raise alongside his his new daughter, but Moretta refused to have any more kids. This caused a foundational crack in the relationship and there was no putting it back together. Mm-hmm. If one of you wants a kid and the other one doesn't, that's going yeah. to be the end of your relationship.
1: Yeah, it is. Don't even string nobody along with that. That's just fucked
0: up. Go find the kid Yeah, or go find a lady. That'll give you a kid. Yeah. You know, yeah. this brings us to the year 1992, which was the beginning of the end both for the marriage and for Henry himself. In August that year, he was arrested for breaking and entering near the naval base and was asked to leave the service. Because of his unblemished record beforehand, he was allowed an honorable discharge. <sighs> he couldn't do shit. Mm. Not without fucking it up. It reminds me a lot of like the last chance you kids. <laughs> it's all the shit they go through just to fuck it up. It's like they, they they work so hard and then one little roadblock and they just throw everything away. Moretta left him right afterwards. Unemployed, homeless, and heartbroken, it was time to move back in with mom. Henry began to feel like a total failure, and living with his psychotic mother didn't help his mental state. Mm -hmm. He turned to crack and any other drugs he could find to help him forget about Moretta and his mother. He couldn't last at any of his jobs because he didn't care about them, or anything at all. Wallace's trial took nearly four months, starting in September 96 and ending in January 97 with the jury's Mm. judgment of death for all nine murders. He remarried in 1998 to prison nurse Rebecca (laughs) Torrijas in a small room down the hall from the death chamber in Central Prison. He is still awaiting his turn to die today. Mm. So you married the prison nurse? That sounds pretty fucking crazy to me, man. He mar- Yeah, he married the nurse. But uh, now he's just sitting on death row. I think he's, what, fifty five, fifty six 56 years old? 56 years old.
1: What, what, you, what was the reason of doing that? Like, I'm changed.
0: You know how it is. Sometimes yeah. uh, these guys are master manipulators. Yeah. So it's like, and a nurse obviously wants to help people. He, he made Nightingale. It's Nyingale like the goddamn... Yeah, Florence Nightingale or Joker and uh, Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I think uh, it's pretty... When you're that good at manipulating people that like you can kill nine people without getting caught, I think it's pretty <laughs> easy true. to manipulate us normies, but like normal people. Wait, but people did he like really us.
1: manipulate people? To, I mean, I'll tell you, it was, I know it, it was, just seems yeah. like
0: he snapped after the after the marriage after Moretta, You know,
1: but I say like if they just did the police work too, they would have been caught. Up. I know.
0: Well, Herschel, did you enjoy this episode yeah, anyway?
1: I did. I All Always right. enjoy him, man. I love these
0: it. crazy fucks. Yeah, they're no good. We're gonna try and get away from Stranglers soon. Maybe we'll uh, we'll try we'll 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 di- we'll dip our toes in uh, a little something else. You know, we started off the thing with Noriega, and we've just been doing Strangler. You want to do some Ghosts?
1: Not particularly. But Herschel. <laughs>
0: you want to do Alien? <laughs> <laughs> that used to scare me so bad.
1: It was just one episode about this? I never. And this the first time I ever seen the X Files, and this shit was like. A tree man or something. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. I I was terrified. Oh, yeah. I was like, no trees in the crib. Mm -mm. No plants or
0: nothing. Mm -mm. That theme song was enough to give me nightmares. Same Mm. with the Unsolved Mysteries one, too. Yeah. That one was no good. Yeah. So scary. I mean, it was so good, it was scary. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for everybody here at the BumbleBot Podcast. Yes, sir. My name has been Adam, and I'd like to thank you all very much for listening. That over there has been Herschel. Yep. Thank you very much for listening. Yep. And I started a new job this week. I didn't actually say that at the beginning, but it's it's great. I love it so far. So that's all that matters. Yeah. I really hated my other job, so I like this job much better. That's good. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for me. I already said that. My name's been Adam. That's been Herschel. Thank you, Herschel. That's it for me. All right. That's going to do it for all of us here at the Bumblebutt Podcast X.
1: Yeah, X, X. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da.
0: It's football time. Time to watch the Vikings get killed. All right. See you, everybody.